Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Sarah, and I'm joined by my co-host, Helen. Hi, everybody. And we're actually recording this on World Mental Health Awareness Day. So we thought before we get into this week's topic, and actually it probably is quite relevant to this week's topic, which is about redundancies and restructures, so quite a tough topic, it was worth just pausing and reflecting on some of the really good work that we've spotted today, that we've either been part of or just wanted to celebrate. And I'm sure everyone listening will have seen um, lots of different things out there as well, perhaps examples of things that you've done in your companies, which we'd love to hear. So Helen, did you see anything that um, particularly caught your eye today where you thought people were doing some really good stuff? Well, in a slightly narcissistic way, can I please start with myself? <laughs> so, what, in terms of I what was... you were doing for your own mental health? <laughs> well, That's okay, well, that as well, think... Sarah. I can go there oh, as right. well. <laughs> I was actually thinking, so I decided, I woke up this morning and I was like, right, I really want to support this. And there's quite a lot of different initiatives. So obviously we are big fans of PJOYS and today it was all I'm about... Wearing my, um... I'm wearing my PJOYS right now. Okay, so PJOYS, amazing organisation. If you don't know them, really check them out. Basically, they had a day about wearing your pyjamas to recognise and raise awareness of mental health. So I was out and about in London today. So I was like, okay, well, I can't do the PJOYS thing because I've got to like, yeah, I knew go you, out. I knew, you would, I knew you would be brave enough <laughs> yeah, to but... do that. I couldn't wear my pyjamas out to like the meetings I had. I was meeting with those people. Yeah, but you could, uh, if you've got PJs, you could, because they're so beautiful. They are beautiful, but I didn't. And it's not because they're not beautiful, they are beautiful. So I thought, I'll young minds it. So young minds today, they were like, wear yellow. Okay, okay, I'm going to wear yellow. I'll do that. So I had this like lovely vest, this like lovely silky vest that was yellow. And I put it on and I went downstairs for my breakfast this morning thinking, yes, I've got it. I've got it sorted. Oh, no. And well, no, you could totally see down my top. <laughs> so oh, I, was like, I thought you were going to say like, you'd spilt loads of stuff down it or no, something. No, completely clean, just very revealing yeah very revealing so I was like okay and I went upstairs, upstairs and I thought I'll put a white shirt under it I was really committed to wearing yellow so I was like I'll put a white shirt under it and then my little girl who's two and a half said to me mummy you look silly and I was like okay, like, okay I mean that's feedback for you isn't it feedback. so then I had that I was like oh my gosh like it's getting close I've got to leave the house I really want to do this and then I remembered that I had a pickle London jumper that says like happy 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 on it and pickle London do lots of different clothes with really positive statements on and some of the profits in the organization go towards mind the mental health charity so I was like yes I'm gonna wear my pickle health <laughs> jumper so I basically put that on and then I was doing all our meetings today and someone said to me like actually a few people said to me they're like nice jumper all day and I've been 
proceeded to educate them about how it was raising awareness <laughs> for mental health when I think they just wanted to comment on my jumper. And in one place, someone was like, oh, really nice jumper. And I did my, like, it's raising awareness for mental health thing. And he was like, oh, I just thought it was that Pharrell Williams song because it says, like, <laughs> happy, happy, happy on a jumper. And I was like, oh, <laughs> just give up. But, yeah, so that's my uh, narcissistic oh, thing. And do you know what? I think you have that in common I think if I'm right I was watching the CBBC story that they do just before it finishes just before seven o'clock and it was Will Young doing it tonight and Uh he had a happy jumper on so I wondered if I thought oh I wonder if it's the same same brand and the story actually was you know obviously not explicitly but it was about how to deal with your mental health as a kid and how to have these kind of mind thoughts. And actually, it was a really lovely story. I mean, Max wasn't watching any of it and just played with his train set the whole time, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> you were like in it. You were like in it with Will Smith. Yeah. What, yeah. Will, Will, not with Young, even. What have you done today? What have you seen or done? Well, I have my P Joys on now. The other thing I've seen, which I just really liked and I wasn't aware of before this week, is there's a company called The Female Lead. I don't know whether Female Lead are a charity or not, um, but certainly I think they're a social enterprise. And they're all about positive role models for women across the world. And I actually know them because of a book that they did where they featured lots of different role models. But they've just started a campaign, which I've seen on Instagram, which is encouraging particularly young girls, women who are kind of teenagers or maybe in their early 20s, to follow people on Instagram who have kind of a positive inspiration, a positive voice, and that make you feel good when you kind of follow them. Actually, it's really, really nicely articulated. So if you don't follow Female Lead, and that sounds interesting, it's not just that campaign they do. They do lots of interesting things. But I just thought, I've seen quite a lot of people retweeting it. They've got some really good people involved who I admire and who I think have got a good point of view on things like mental health. So it felt like a really positive and a simple thing to do. And I do think we've talked about it before in terms of social media and technology. At its best, I think it can be brilliant and make our lives better easier and more inspiring there are people definitely I follow on social media who I find inspiring and help my curiosity but there are times you know you think I don't understand why I'm friends with this person on Facebook or why I do follow this thing because actually it just doesn't make you feel good and I think really the key message there is like just remember to do things that make you feel good which I think is uh, a good message is indeed So this week, we're taking on a tough topic. We're going to talk about redundancies and restructures. And actually, I was quite surprised we not talked about it before, but someone suggested it. And I thought, actually, do you know what? It's one of those things that I assume we will all go through at some point. And actually, when you look at the data, it actually reckons now that most of us will go through it at least three times, whether that's a restructure or a redundancy. Partly because I think lots of jobs are changing in terms of structure, organisations are getting squiggly. And it's particularly topical in the last couple of weeks with all the news that people will have seen about Thomas Cook, who are a British travel company, who have gone into, is it liquidation? Is that the right term? But certainly they're closing down and they employ an awful lot of people. And there was actually some really nice news today that certainly for some of the Thomas Cook employees, there's a company called Hayes in the UK who've bought a lot of their shops. So they actually have travel agents and they've bought a lot of their shops, which I think means lots of people will get the opportunity to keep their jobs. But it still will have been an incredibly stressful um, Mm. and upsetting and distressing I would have thought a couple of weeks and they're a really well-known British brand I think I was talking to a few people who didn't work there but just said I I can't believe it you know one of those kind of 
British institutions. And often with things like that, you don't see it coming. A lot of it's behind closed doors. So it was quite a big shock for people, I think. So it's really put it top of mind for me. And actually, I have noticed that over the last six or seven weeks in particular, I don't know whether it's this time of year, three or four people contacting me that I know that are going through this at the moment. Mm. And that that just seems to be on the rise a bit. So I was thinking, as well as helping those people, actually, let's do a podcast because I'm sure it's something that either we've been through, we will go through, we know someone who's going through it and it is tough, but I think there are some things that we can talk about that might help. And I also like that I hate with this podcast for everybody that even though it's like released in like this kind of very like staggered linear way, like episode 100, episode 101, I hope (laughs) that the topics are such that just because this is, I think this is episode 104, just because it's episode 104, like in 20 episodes time, if you happen to be going through this, you can come back to this episode and like know that it's there when you need it. So, you know, maybe tonight you're not going through a restructure or you're not going through a redundancy and it might just be interesting to listen to this, but know that this episode is here when you are, because it's very likely that we are all going to be in the next three, four, five years. And and actually, we did an Instagram poll on this, just like a really quick dip test to see like our community, what their experience was. And from that, we actually found out that 80% of our Instagram community have experienced organisational restructuring in the last two years. And actually, 10% of people have been made redundant in the last two years. And whilst our Instagram community might not be the entire sample of all the working population, I still think that's really pressing. Like one in 10 people have been made redundant. Eight in 10 people have experienced this uncertainty of have I got a job? Haven't I got a job? What is my job actually going to be like after this redundancy sort of calms down? Yeah, and I think when um, I was looking at some of the organisational data around leaders, it is a top priority for a lot of leaders. Mm. So I think it's something like 70 to 75% of leaders at any point in time are thinking about, is our structure fit for purpose? Do I need to make some changes to it? And I guess that is natural because of all the changes that organisations are experiencing. They're then having to make sure that everybody's in the right place at the right time. And it is becoming just one of those things that just happens increasingly frequently. And I think if we can be ready for it, equip ourselves for it as best as we can, hopefully it's something that I think you get better at understanding and dealing with and maybe even making it into something that could even be positive. Well, I think that's the whole squiggly career thing, isn't it? So we spend a lot of time talking about how careers aren't these staircase linear-like things anymore and they're not predictable. They're actually got much more movement in them, lots more change. They're much more squiggly. You'll know the story if you listen to this a lot. And I think one thing that I feel like we're always really keen to say is that squiggly careers aren't always easy. Just because they're squiggly doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they're brilliant. And we try to help people to have as much confidence and resilience and ownership of that squiggle as possible. But Part of the squiggliness is the fact that all this change is going on and and some of it we're not in control of. The fact that organisations need to respond to new markets and new competitors and the way that technology is changing things, that means our jobs are constantly evolving and changing and sometimes that's quite incremental and it just means that your job might be sort of evolving and sometimes it's really significant and that means your job is actually fundamentally changing which is sort of like the restructure thing or it's not there in that same way anymore which is really when you get into the redundancy so I just think it's part of one of the elements that contributes to the squiggly careers that we're all now experiencing. So what we thought we would do today, we're going to share a couple of our stories briefly about our experiences of restructuring and redundancy, something that we both have been through, and then divide our top tips into kind of two areas, 
top tips to remember in the immediate moment. So if you're listening to this and this has just happened to you or you've shared this with somebody because it's just happened to them or you think it might happen in the kind of very immediate kind of aftermath of hearing the news because it is usually something you've not been in control of and not anticipated just some things to think about starting to get some kind of hints and tips as to what to do in that immediate moment and then four or five things that are more general for all of us I think in terms of knowing that this is going to happen to all of us at various different points in time probably two or three times perhaps even more actually what are some of the things that we can all do to prepare ourselves for when these things do happen so that we can put ourselves in the best possible positions to kind of cope recover be resilient so Helen, what are your experiences of restructuring? Yeah, I mean, I work backwards. So I haven't had a restructure <laughs> or redundancy so far in Amazing If, but I, you know, yeah. realistically, who knows? It could come. It could come. That's such wood, the business keeps going well. But before that, so obviously I was at Microsoft and I joined Microsoft in one department and actually within four months of joining Microsoft, it was a brilliant team, but I actually went on maternity leave, which was a very a planned thing. I was always planning to come back on a certain date. It was like I was coming back on the first day of the new financial year, which always felt like quite a niche day to come back from maternity leave on. I can imagine that really appealing to you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It was really neat. I was like, I'm going to have this time off and I will be back on the first day of the new financial year. And that actually not only coincided with some mental arrangement that I'd made with myself to come back on that day, but it also coincided with a structural change in the organisation, which fundamentally changed the job that I was doing. And it was a job that I had not been doing very long. Like I'd come to that organisation, I'd worked in a particular role for four months, gone on maternity leave. The first day I came back, the role fundamentally changed. So that was the restructure part of it, really. And for me, I think I was kind of aware that it was happening and I'd got wind that there's some restructuring was changed in a more significant way than I was comfortable with, as in the role that was left wasn't the one that was right for me. But I was able to have like really transparent conversations with my manager. My manager was super supportive, a brilliant guy called Rob. And he was like, look, we want you to stay in this role. We want to help you. It's going to mean, he was really honest with me. He was like, if you're going to stay in this role and perform, it's going to mean that you're going to have to invest in some skills development in other areas. But If you want to do that, we will support you. And if you don't want to do that, we'll help you to look at other internal things. So I think for me, it was a bit destabilizing. But the fact that my I could have these really open conversations with a manager, basically saying the role that this is becoming is not one that you've currently got the skills for. We'll either help you to get the skills or we'll help Mm. you to find another role was super, super helpful. Almost Um, best case scenario, isn't it? Really, If if it's going to happen, that is sort of best case scenario. Yeah, and I think loads of respect and empathy and understanding going on there in that relationship, which made it very easy to be really open. And I ultimately decided that it wasn't right for me to upskill in what they needed of me I thought there would be other people that would be able to do that better and actually quickly navigated myself to a new internal role that was a much better use of what I knew and what I did well and before Microsoft I was at Virgin I joined Virgin to do one role I joined Virgin to do one role and on my first day I ended up doing a different role which is just very it was very very Virgin so I can't learn to be that's what an agile quite quickly but within about a year or so I think of working there the business that I was brought into lead and run just wasn't quite working in its current guise it wasn't quite working financially it just wasn't quite working and so it needed to restructure quite fundamentally and actually that was about closing one business down and starting a new one and I've talked about some of the aspects of this before but what it meant that all the jobs 
Some jobs made redundant. My job fundamentally changed. I was no longer head of one business. I had to sort of reapply to become head of a different business. So effectively in that situation, my role was being made redundant. Other roles that worked for me were being made redundant. And yes, I managed to create this new business where some of the roles could people could move on to new roles but it was a really destabilizing time (laughs) like it was hard and I had to as a manager I always felt very responsible for the people that worked for me and were there roles for them that would use their skills but at the same time I was also in that situation of am I able to stay here am I able not to stay and sometimes it's quite a nice distraction when you've got people working for you and if you care about that just trying to sort them out first and thought I think I had enough confidence in my abilities that I will be able to sort myself out. So my priority is going to be to sort the people that work for me out. And therefore I didn't panic and I I wasn't too focused on myself. And I was able to, when things calmed down, I could see my way through it. But it was definitely, I think the long and short of this is I have experienced it and it is tough and I've learned a few things from it. But the best thing for me has been having a manager that I could have a transparent conversation with about what I'm good at, what I want to do and what my options were. In both of those situations, that's been what's enabled all the uncertainty to be just about okay. Yeah, and I think especially in that second example you were in, I do wonder if sometimes experience helps a little bit because actually I think if you're earlier in your career, you probably don't necessarily have that confidence of thinking, oh no, I'll be okay Mm. because maybe it's the first time it's happened to you. Probably the most significant first restructure I was part of was the point where I basically thought I was untouchable so I was doing an awesome job I was pretty confident in terms of what I was doing. How far in your career was it? Um, So I wasn't very far into Sainsbury's at all but I'd come from a job that I loved at Barclays and was doing quite a similar job at Sainsbury's I was really good at it quite quickly like I, I knew what I was doing I'd won quite a few awards about that time. You know, when you just feel like I was really like flying high. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. just really buoyant. I think I'd started to like find my groove a little bit. Was in the right sort of job for me, definitely. Had started to like discover that like right person, right job. Loving it. And and also really liked Sainsbury's very quickly. I liked all the people that I'd met. And it wasn't I was thinking I was untouchable. I just sort of thought, oh, this is all going brilliantly. Like I'm really happy. And then I joined Sainsbury's and the person who'd recruited me left really quickly and I was doing Mm. a new job, which always makes it hard. Then the person who was meant to replace her just didn't turn up, just decided not to join really last minute. And then the person who did eventually join, that took a little while, and then she joined and almost immediately, as you do when you're leading a really big function often, had to then restructure. And then my job disappeared. (laughs) And And I was a bit like... Um, but, Hello. But, but, I'm, but I'm doing so well and look, I'm so good and shiny, um, which is a very important lesson, I think, to us all. And I think it did actually teach me a really good lesson is that restructures and redundancies feel very personal, but they are not about you. And I know that's really easy to say and it doesn't often feel like that. But in hindsight, when I look back, you go, well, that restructure, like definitely, I saw the structure afterwards and it was definitely better. It was the right structure for the company. It wasn't the right structure for me because essentially what happened to my job is it got made more senior and I'd only just been promoted to the level below. So then I had to apply for the next level up and surprise, surprise, I wasn't quite ready to do that. 
<laughs> Albeit, I still applied for it and I was still like, oh, you know, never know. Maybe, maybe I remember all the conversations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So that, that was actually really distressing. Do you know what? It's mm. like I can laugh about it now. But genuinely, when you've not been in an organisation very long, so I'd not got any established relationships, really different to the experience Helen just described. Like I didn't know many people. Though I say I was really good at what I did, I hadn't really had time to actually deliver anything. As in, I felt like I was doing some good stuff, but I hadn't got loads of achievements that I could necessarily point to. Mm. Um, and so that was really, made me feel really vulnerable, really exposing. And I was like, oh, am I going to have to go and like leave and get another job somewhere else? And I've probably only been there seven or eight months. So that was really tough. And we'll come back to some ways that I kind of managed that and things that kind of helped me. And again, didn't know my manager very well. At the time, I'd met her once and then, you know, you're doing a massive restructure. So none of that certainty, security, support Mm. that I think can really help these things. I felt very alone and very vulnerable. And on that note, the next restructure, which was also a time where you think the one time where it will be useful not to have a restructure is when you're eight months pregnant. And that's exactly what happened to me. So again, for all the right reasons, nothing that I kind of look back on and think wasn't the right thing for the company to do. But we're making loads of changes and it meant that both my role changed really significantly or kind of disappeared slash merged into another one. And similar to your second example, lots of my team were impacted um, Mm. as well. So that was also, um, it was interesting actually. I probably found that one much easier to navigate my way through I do think partly because I was more experienced to your point I think I had I had confidence in my abilities I also do wonder if it was because I'd got something else really big happening (laughs) you know it was like well perspective yeah I think just the perspective helped because I think of course it's a big deal but it felt like a bigger deal to be honest to have to have a baby (laughs) I think I was way more worried about how that worked than I was what would happen in terms of a restructure and probably because I'd done a few by then and I was in a much different situation you know I'd been in the organization for a while Mm. Uh, I felt like actually it wouldn't be a bad time actually once I kind of absorbed it to maybe start to think about doing something different I'd really enjoyed myself so it was really hard and it was far from ideal it is not the conversation you're hoping to have when you're eight months pregnant and you're thinking oh you know it'd be good I'll go off maternity leave come back to an organization I know really well and really enjoy But actually, they were very, very different feelings and how I felt like I coped with both of those were actually quite different, even though the second time around, you'd argue, was probably a tougher, like, personal situation. (laughs) But yeah, I think I was slightly distracted, to be honest, by the fact I got by then. I could, like, barely walk. I was so big. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't that big. So for you, like, the the variables there, to Hellenise it a bit, were the fact that you may be more experienced, some perspective... Anything else? And I'm just trying to think what made it more... Because I that's like a way more emotional thing. Okay, support, perspective and experience. Yeah. Those are things yeah. that helped you to deal with it more the second time. I think I had support in and out of my organisation that time. Mm. So I think the first time in Sainsbury's in the two kind of bigger restructures that I've been part of, I had some support outside of Sainsbury's because I'd only just joined but actually very little support inside of Sainsbury's, which was very natural just because I was so new. Mm. So wasn't really anyone I could go and chat to, obviously didn't know my boss. And I think support at that point is so critical, whether it's from, I think you do need a bit of the friends and family yes, support, yes. but also professional, like career support. Actually, that second time around, when I think about it now, the number of conversations I could have, 
people who were talking to me about different opportunities and possibilities actually it gave me a lot of confidence to be able to then really just focus on as I said supporting the team that was being restructured a bit like you the second time I was more confident that I could sort myself out when I needed to after I'd done the baby thing (laughs) just just that little thing yeah 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 Um, which turned out to be you know way way harder than any restructure certainly for me selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So should we talk about in the immediate moment? Because I do think there are some useful things to remember when this first happens. And I think just a few things to bear in mind, again, if you are listening and this is quite new news or quite fresh, you can feel quite raw. The first one, I think, is that it is really natural to feel angry, disappointed, upset, frustrated, generally incredibly emotional. The one thing I would say is that is not the time to act If you can, try not to do anything or make any decisions. I have had lots of these kind of tricky moments and at home or even the minute you get out of a building or whatever, been either really upset or been venting on the phone within about two seconds to Helen or my sister or whoever. But I think if you can try to stay as calm as you can and just try not to do anything too significant too quickly it will help you in the kind of short to medium term because I I have seen sometimes that people's initial responses, people are so shocked and disappointed, they can then do things that actually they really regret Mm. 24, 48 hours later. So I am talking here like really in the moment. And I actually saw um, something tonight because it was to do with World Mental Health Day, which we'll make sure we include in the resources, where someone was talking about the different stages of grief that are often talked about and actually saying, 
grief, the loss of a person is very different. But actually, the loss of anything does mean that you go through that curve of kind of Mm. denial, anger, acceptance, looking for different options. And they sort of outline this curve, which I've seen a few times before. And I think just knowing that and just giving yourself just that little bit of time and space, whether it's a weekend, a couple of days, an evening, I'd really encourage you to get that space. I remember the first time I was restricted and found it very hard. I managed to get home before I capitulated and then had a weekend and that was worth its weight in gold that weekend because I managed to go through those stages and talk to some people and calm down. Mm -hmm. And I think it's quite a dangerous time. And I think, remember, squiggly careers, you know people, you come across people in lots of different contexts and different times in your career. It's really natural to do something that you might later regret. But if you can try and pause and be calm, I think it's really helpful. So it's about knowing it's not personal and giving yourself the time to feel the emotions, but kind of just not thinking, oh, I have to get through this. Or there's this thing that I I came across as well called like double loop emotions or something. So it's like when you're upset by something or upset or stressed by something and then you get upset or stressed because that you're upset or stressed does that make sense you almost like yep have the emotion and then you start to think about the emotion and it sort of compounds it but if you can almost accept that actually this does feel rubbish and it is upsetting and this isn't what you planned for and maybe just give yourself a bit of time to feel that because it's pretty normal you might be a bit kinder to yourself Yeah, do you know, the day I remember having that tough conversation where I was eight months pregnant, I was due to go to like hypnobirthing yoga that night. (laughs) And the last thing, yeah, which I don't, I'd never even went to yoga. I was already quite out of my comfort zone as it was, but I thought, oh, you know, it sounds like a good thing to potentially do. (laughs) And I remember thinking, oh, I really don't want to go. I'm still trying to kind of process this stuff. And actually the best thing I did was go to that because it just gave me something different I think it calmed me down and actually it kind of just helped me with a bit of that processing and I think it's so natural to just get very consumed by it very absorbed by it it's it can be quite useful to still go and go for a run or Mm. go out for the meal you were planning to go out with your friends or still do some of that other stuff because also it reminds you that there are other things because in that moment it can feel like the only thing and the worst thing and that wasn't me being particularly planned, but I just, I, it's funny how I still remember that. And that's quite a long time ago now. That's like two and a half years ago. But I really remember going, I think I went because I'd paid for it and I didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I can't, I can't. Not I can't the best the day, back, but so I'm going to go into hypnobirthing yeah, go, because I can't, I if can't it can help the in the moment of labour, then surely it can yeah. help right now. <laughs> so that's kind of, we talked about some like in the moment things. Maybe if we talk about, beyond the moment the first one actually is almost like before the moment like like if you're right in this I appreciate this might sound a bit patronizing I definitely don't mean it to do but I think one of the most effective things that you can do to help yourself be resilient during times of restructure of your face with redundancy is that you can have been proactive about your skills development so you can if you're the sort of person who's proactively curious about what you might be learning next and what might be happening in your industry or in your profession you're you're actively learning those things maybe if you're proactive about the networks that you've built internally so you haven't just built relationships with people in your immediate team 
And maybe if you've also been proactive about you exploring different career possibilities, so maybe some horizontal moves, and that's just part of what you're doing, part of that we talk about this amazing if almost like the habits that you create in your career and that you are proactive about your learning, you're proactive about your network, you're proactive about your possibilities. It's those things that can make you really resilient during these times because you can go and have those conversations you've got the perspective about other roles that you can do you're already building the skills that might be relevant for your next role and I know that if you're right in the thick of it now you're thinking well that's not entirely very helpful Helen because I've got to look at my jobs that I need to do right now so I 100% appreciate that but it's more for the people that are listening that might not be there right now but it's very likely to be happening to all of us at some point in our future I think it's just sort of saying that you're resilience in those moments is dramatically increased by your proactivity right now particularly on those three areas of skills networks and possibilities would you agree Sarah yeah definitely and I think if you are in it right now one of the best things that you can do is ask for help and ask Mm. for support so somebody came to me recently from one organization who somebody I don't know so I'd not met her before and it was a you know friend of a friend type situation I knew one person who knew this person And she just said, oh, I just wondered if there's anyone that you knew who might be prepared to have a coffee with me because basically I'm about to go through redundancy. And it was a different type of redundancy to certainly one that I'd experienced. So I was thinking, "Mm, I'm not sure if I've got exactly the same kind of practical experience that I think she's probably looking for. I went to a network of women that I'm part of, a kind of leadership network that I'm part of, and asked if anyone would be prepared to help. And I got such a quick reaction. Honestly, within about five minutes three people had straight away gone absolutely I know this is really tough I know this is when you sort of need people to like step up and help quickly and these are people who are incredibly busy with really big jobs who all said that they would have a coffee with this person who they hadn't met and it was about three steps removed by this point in terms of I've still not met this girl I don't know who she is (laughs) but she's now very grateful because she actually sent me a note yesterday saying how useful those conversations had been and so I appreciate that's probably like a almost ideal scenario where someone has to know someone and then those things just emerge. But I do think asking for help and support, being transparent about feeling like you need that. If you're thinking, oh, I'm very new to this, I've not been through this before, remembering that loads of people have and that people know it's hard and they know it's stressful. And people, I think nine times out of 10 will help if they can or will do what I did, which was I didn't help directly, but I tried to sort of help indirectly. So that's kind of probably the second tip, I guess, is a more immediate thing is if you are in it now, try and be transparent about the help and support you need. And people do seem to pop up, I found, and it's happened a couple of times now. And the third one on that theme of bravery, like the bravery asking for help, I think that there's actually quite a good opportunity if you are going through a restructure and particularly if you're going through redundancy, it's actually a really good point for you to start negotiating for some things that you might want and I think typically people might be thinking about their notice period or maybe there is some money that might come into it as part of your redundancy package all of those sorts of things but don't forget this is a brilliant opportunity for you to negotiate maybe like executive coaching so some of the people that I've been talking to lately actually as a coach so I've been coaching them the way that they have been able to fund the relationship between me coaching them has been that as part of a redundancy they're going through they've been able to negotiate that with their employer and I think that's a way that you can I don't want to say turn this situation into a positive because you might not be thinking it's a positive but if it's an inevitability you are being made redundant I think really getting clear on okay 
how can I get as much support as possible through this transition? Can I negotiate some time out in my notice period to go and look at new roles? Is there somebody that can coach me within the HR department on interview skills? Can I secure some funding for coaching to help me think about my career possibilities? This is a, such a good point for you to think about how can I get as much value during this moment of transition as possible? And I think that does take confidence. We've done a podcast, and I can't remember what episode it is, Sarah, but we've done a podcast before on negotiation. We can link it to might, it. We can yeah, link we'll to link to it. We'll put it on um, Amazing com. I'll put the link for you because I think it's just a really good time for you to go do you know what I'm going to get as much as I can out of this transition because I deserve it and this will really help me to go forward and there I think there are probably more things than you might know that you can negotiate like notice periods the support that you can get on the notice period money for coaching all those kind of things I think if you can put all that together it can help you to get even more value from that moment in time and I just always think it's worth asking because Worst case scenario, they say no, but you're yeah, probably no worse lost. off than you were before. So I just think, well, if anything, the worst case scenario is it's good practice asking for things. That's true. Which is sometimes things that... But it is. I've definitely asked for things before where I'm probably a bit more confident because I think, oh, it's this kind of a situation. And sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't. But each time I've probably got better at being confident in what I'm asking for, why I'm asking for it, how to articulate those things. And the next thing to think about, and this is really more about planning than in the moment, is just the finances. I think it would be remiss of us not to talk about money because this is a tough time where you're perhaps thinking, right, I've got to worry about how I'm going to pay my rent, how I'm going to pay my mortgage. If you can make any provision or save before this happens, given it is going to happen to us all probably multiple times, and I don't think it needs to be loads, but it's the real classic like rainy day fund of just maybe a couple of months worth of salary, which actually I know takes quite a long time to yeah. actually be able to save up. But if you have that, imagine how that would make you feel. Actually, do you know when they talk about this? When I went to Harvard, so this is a long time ago now, probably eight or nine years ago, I was the least senior and impressive person there by a long stretch. And they were talking to that group of people about how important it was to do financial planning in terms of protecting yourself from either redundancy restructure and or and connected to that not having to do jobs that you don't want to do <laughs> essentially so sometimes through this it's perhaps you also end up in a position where you think this is not the right thing for me and one way out of that and it is only one way is if you have enough money to think well I have a couple of months leeway here to go and find myself another job and jobs do take a little while by the time you go for interviews and second interviews and get feedback and inevitably most of us have a 50% 25% hit rate in terms of some you don't get interviews for and then the ones you do you're not going to get them all so it isn't a quick process most of the time sometimes things work out and that's great but I think anything you can do to give yourself a bit of time and space just will probably help you just feel reassured and have a bit more confidence through the process and on that point, actually, which we've not done as a separate tip, but I think it's worth saying, I do think it is absolutely fine to have what I would describe as, and you perhaps don't want to describe it in this way to your employer, as an in-between job. It's fine to think if something has happened to you that has been completely out of your control and you're either restricted into a role or you end up being restricted into a role that maybe wasn't your ideal, 
or you know you need to get another job pretty quickly just for everyday normal reasons and that ends up being a, an in-between job or you go and do freelancing or something like that for a bit I think that can be a really good solution to mitigate some of the stress and pressure that these kind of things can put on us and then it just gives you a bit more time and space if you're for the first time starting the whole skills development possibility exploring etc actually you might feel much more able to do that if you know that you're okay to pay your rent every month and so don't feel like you know when you're going for whatever your next job is or those things doesn't have to be perfect no job is ever perfect anyway but I think it is okay to be like okay well this is kind of not quite the right industry or it's not quite what I'd imagine doing and it's only going to be for a bit and if you remember at that point we're all going to be working like forever anyway it's absolutely fine and maybe just two more quick points on that was when I've been having conversations with my husband about this before because I think this we talked about this very much in a in sort of the work context but it definitely affects you at home as well we've always talked about like what's like what's, it's very tupper language this but what's like the baseline income that we need so almost like what's the minimum viable income <laughs> for like you know we have a mortgage oh my god you actually use that phrase minimum viable income. i bet you do as well <laughs> i think we've talked about baselines before so definitely not baselines. Sure. but like sure. um i can't my mortgage is not variable i have a very set amount of money that has to come out each month my childcare is not variable the amount i spend on shoes and handbags and food is variable and i think it's quite useful to be aware of mm. like where when you're looking at okay there's this package now how long is this going to last me what's and maybe an emotional fear and what's a very actual fear that I have to think about it's just it's just helpful and I think just having the clarity on like your you know as we would say your baseline income what do you have to have and then what's the sort of nice to have and the only other thing that might help and by no means do I claim to be perfect on this at all in finances but there's um we interviewed Heather McGregor relatively recently, who also known as Mrs. Moneypenny, and she's written a book called Financial Advice for Independent Women, which is also very applicable for, for men as well. But it's just got some really good things. If you think, do you know what, I want to increase my resilience and be on the front foot with this. She's got loads of tips about how you do that from a financial perspective and, and make sure that you've got the independence to have that you are resilient and that you have choices as well. And so the last few things to think about don't lose confidence. It's really easy at this moment to start to get down on yourself, very understandable, to take it personally, because I think most of us do that in some way, shape or form when this happens. There is never a better time to write down the three things that you're brilliant at, or what are the achievements you've had in that role so far, to ask for some recommendations for your LinkedIn profile. It is the time to remember your successes and your strengths because the likelihood is you're probably going to be going for interviews. And if you go into those interviews without this kind of certainty and being sure about where you add value, that will show up. Always easier to say, but spend some time on just getting really clear on, you know, what are you good at? remember all the good stuff even this week when I'd had a bad end of a day and I was sort of feeling a bit down at the end of a day and I did a little exercise called the stress bucket which I got taught in the mental health first aid program and one of the things that you do as part of that as kind of to release stress is you write down just one success that you've had that week and honestly writing down that one thing just made me feel a bit better again and just it almost just gave me a little boost to my confidence so if mm. there is ever a time to just spend a week writing down one success every day it's when you're going through this kind of change and then the last thing which was something that comes from personal experience which I wasn't expecting but I found really interesting and it really stuck with me 
is people do notice how you respond to these kind of changes. I once got some feedback about how well I'd responded to a restructuring process. And that hadn't really been me intentionally like trying to go through it so well. And actually, that was the example where I was at home crying. But I had consciously tried to kind of be calm, try and be considered, tried to work through it in a way that was still kind of authentic to me, but in the way that I wanted to show up. And the person who was kind of leading that and, you know, the person who got rid of my job and essentially made my role completely redundant was the person who then said to me, it was really impressive to watch you go through that process. And actually, she became a really big advocate for me. I did go and work somewhere else. But funnily enough, I did go back to work for her. So her recognising that about me, me listening to it, taking that feedback and thinking, okay, well, that's interesting. I think then really helped me when I then went through the process again. It would have been like a couple of years later with somebody different by that point who I was working for, where again, I thought, oh, do you know what? It's the whole, you never quite know where people are going to show up or how you're going to know people. I still want to be me and do this in my way and what I think is kind of the right way. And so that's it was just an interesting, positive thing and kind of opportunity that just was a really small thing at the time. I think I quite appreciated it. I probably didn't absorb it loads. I was probably a bit like, "Mm, okay, it wasn't ideal, to be honest, but fine. But actually, over the years, it's something I have remembered. So I think it's just worth reflecting on that. And I think people are so brave during these moments, and they are really tough. So just get that support network in place. Take a deep breath. Don't forget to negotiate. And remember, when you're having these conversations, you don't need to have all of the tough conversations at once. The best restructuring tough conversations I've had have always been when I've broken them down into small, bite-sized conversations, one point at once. It's okay to do that. You've not got to have these massive, big, long conversations that are really complicated. It's okay to say, I need some time to go and think about that, or I just like to go and reflect on it because, you know, I want to take it seriously. That's all absolutely fine. I think take your time and don't be rushed through it. And we've gone through quite a lot of different tips there. So let's just summarise them so that you've got them. So I think the first thing is to be as proactive as possible with your skill development, exploring your possibilities and, and, and looking at your internal and external networks. It gives you more resilience in the moment. Know that this is happening to you. It's not personal. It's part of what's going on in the organisation. And know that it's also natural to feel the emotions, like let yourself feel angry or disappointed, whatever it is. When you're having conversations with people, make sure you negotiate, feel empowered to negotiate for what's going to work for you in your career. And also have some idea of the financial plans, your financial requirements, like your your baseline for where you need to be. But don't lose confidence. This is a great opportunity for you to talk about your strengths and you'll want to lean back on your confidence and think about how you change. Your attitude towards change might open the door to future opportunities. As always, we'll put all of the resources on the blog post. What we've not really talked about today, um, but we will include in the resources, are there are some really good helplines that are free, Mm. some organisations that offer coaching or things like counselling that is actually free if you are going through redundancy. There's some really good free advice out of there, as well as some of the kind of usual sorts of articles that we would often recommend, you know, from people who've been through it, who are summarising their tools and techniques a bit more like we've done. But if you're sort of thinking, actually, you know, I'd like to kind of 
talk to someone almost separate to that. There's loads of really good stuff out there and make the most of it because these people are all brilliant and I've only ever heard really positive things about all the companies that we will put on there. So as always, thank you so much for listening. A bit of a longer episode this week. I think important to do that topic and subject justice. uh, So I hope we've been useful. If you do enjoy the podcast, please do take a minute just to leave a review for us on iTunes. We really appreciate it, partly because we read everyone and it makes our week when people (laughs) uh, comment personally, which is it's always so nice to hear. And it does really help us to make sure that we can keep doing the podcast, that other people discover us. And next week, we've got a brilliant guest joining us, which is Viv Groskop. She wrote an amazing book called How to Own the Room. She does a podcast which has the same name, which I'm sure some of you already listened to. She was loads of fun to interview. She's really interesting. She's got really interesting stories and loads of great tips and experience. I can't um, wait to hear this. Yeah, she's brilliant. So thank you so much for listening and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.